Welcome to Run This World. I'm your host, Nicole DeBoom. I'm a former pro athlete turned entrepreneur turned 50-year-old mom of a 10-year-old. No matter what stage and age I'm in, I always feel happier when I'm learning, growing, and connecting. And when I find amazing things that help me learn, grow, and connect, I naturally want to share. This is an episode in a special series I'm calling The Body Summit. My goal is to help women understand, learn, and handle the changes we experience as we age. Because let's face it, we're very different emotionally and physically at 50 than we were at 20 or 30 or even 40. I just so happen to be in the lovely perimenopausal stage of life. So much of this series will focus on what happens during the transition before, during, and after menopause. Today, we talk about menopause in all its glory. I'm calling this episode The Overview, and I have the best guest I could possibly get, someone who has her very own, very popular menopause-centric podcast with almost 100 episodes to date called Hit Play, Not Pause. You guessed it, the Celine Yeager is on the show today. In addition to hosting Hit Play Not Pause, Celine is also the content manager for Feisty Menopause. This means she is consumed by menopause on the daily as she interacts with thousands of women through their Facebook group and more. She's in tune. Let's just leave it at that. Celine is also a top-selling professional health and fitness writer who lives what she writes as an NASM certified personal trainer, USA Cycling licensed coach, PN1 certified nutrition coach. I don't even know what that is. I got to look it up. She's a pro-licensed off-road racer and a former All-American Ironman triathlete. She's the co-author of Roar and Next Level with Dr. Stacey Sims, and she's an all-around awesome person who I've known, loved, and respected for decades. Before we get started, I am thrilled to share that we have a sponsor for the Body Summit series. It's Inside Tracker. I found Inside Tracker when I was Googling how to get personalized blood work drawn from my home based on what I wanted to analyze without a visit to the doctor. I wasn't even sure it was possible to do this, but not only does Inside Tracker offer exactly what I was looking for, they have a slew of blood work options that I didn't even consider until I got to their website, some of which fit perfectly and were targeted almost directly to me as a 50-year-old athlete. In a nutshell, this series is about being an advocate for your own health, and Inside Tracker is the perfect partner to help us do that. So here's the Inside Tracker scoop. Are you ready? Whether you run, ride, hike, or swim, you understand what it means to push harder, reach farther, and go the extra mile. This relentless drive runs in your blood. That's why Inside Tracker provides you with a personalized plan to build endurance, boost energy, and optimize your health for the long haul. Created by leading scientists in aging genetics and biometrics, Inside Tracker analyzes your blood, DNA, and fitness tracking data to identify where you're optimized and where you're not. You'll get a daily action plan with personalized guidance on the right exercise, nutrition, and supplementation for your body. And when 
you connect inside tracker with your Fitbit or Garmin, you'll also unlock real-time recovery pro tips after you complete your workouts. It's like having your own personal trainer and nutritionist in your pocket. For a limited time, you can get 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store. Just go to insidetracker.com forward slash run this world. That's insidetracker.com forward slash run this world for 20% off. And yes, I will be releasing an episode with my Inside Tracker experience from start to finish. I've already done one blood draw. I've been using their recommendations. I've learned about myself, which is, I think, one of the most important keys to life. And I'm about to book a follow-up blood draw soon to see how their suggestions improve my metrics. I think they did because I feel better, but we'll see. All right, everybody, it is time to learn more about this unpredictable, some may say crazy stage of life. Let's talk menopause with Celine Yeager. All right, Celine, I'm so hey. excited. I'm seeing your face for the first time in years. Years. It's been a long time. It's really great to see you. You've been too. following your journey. Oh my gosh, you too. And you've been on such a roll. I mean, literally this morning, I was like, you know, I got to catch up on the last couple hit play, not pause episodes. Your amazing podcast. Congratulations. Thank you very, very much. I love it. You know, I feel like we're here today to talk about menopause in all its lovely forms. And um, but I think we should start out by reminding our listeners that we are neither one of us doctors. <laughs> 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 I'm not, I am not a doctor, <laughs> but you I know actually what? went pre-med and I was like, this is too much school. <laughs> so I am, I'm not a doctor. That's hilarious <laughs> because I thought in my very first year of college that maybe I would do the same. And I sat in on my first biology class and I was like, this is way harder than I thought. That's so yeah. hard. Yeah. yeah I, I aced it. And they're like, you should pursue it. I'm like, nope. And then I went on to be a medical writer. So I'm using it sort of. Oh, that's awesome. And I do find it really helpful. I mean, that, that the background that I got, I definitely use for like all my writing that I've done over the years when I write with someone like Dr. Stacey Sims, right? Like I need to like totally. at least know where to find like what she's talking about so I can decipher it. So it still oh, comes I love, in that. I love yeah. that. Well, I did not pursue it. I got a social uh, degree. I'm one of those people with the elusive sociology mm. degree. <laughs> That's... What is that? No one knows. But, you know, maybe it has something to do with connecting with people. And that is what 100%. this entire topic is about. It's about connecting with other women and letting them know that they are not alone in their craziness. But let me back back up for a second. Sure. No, you are not a medical doctor, but I would actually I know this might sound weird, but I think you might be a menopause expert or you're <laughs> at least a guru. And at the minimum, I am at this are, point. <laughs> You are a sponge, okay? Because yeah, you yes. have you have at least ninety episodes on your podcast. You've written um, countless articles and books and all kinds of things about this topic, and um, you've learned a lot. And I couldn't think of anyone better than you to help kick off this women's body series that I'm doing. I'm excited. Thank you. I'm, I'm well, honored. Let's let's start out by um, learning more about your journey and what sparked your interest in this topic. Well, it's funny. It's because I, I was a writer for Rodale Press for a long time. I, I mean, I kind of still am because I still write for Bicycling. They got sold to Hearst. Long story. Who cares? But um, in the day, I wrote for Prevention Magazine a lot. I was a contributing editor. I was in their masthead for years. I was 28 years old. 
right? And they wrote about menopause then, like they were writing to that audience. They they talked about, but it was always through the weight angle, right? Like they talked about your menopause and they talked about like all of that stuff. And maybe they mentioned hot flashes, but that was my only knowledge of what menopause was like, oh, you get, you gain weight around your middle. Like literally that's kind of the only thing that I knew about it. So, I, but I wrote about it and I interviewed people. I interviewed one of the women that I've had on my podcast, Mary Jane Minkin, cause I've known her for like 27 years. Um, you know, and then I, I kind of stopped writing for those magazines and did my bicycle and stuff. And I honestly forgot all about it. Once in a while I would write uh, a cycling book for women, women. And one of my, there's this wonderful neighbor I have down the street that has do, been doing Ironman for like 20 years. And she like, would come over my fence and be like, yo, Celine. I'd be like, Hey, she's like, why don't you ever write about menopause? I'm like, I don't know anything about menopause. She's like, it's a bitch. I'm like, okay. You know? And I just didn't even like, I didn't recognize how important it was. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Sorry, Lena. I'm sorry. Anyway, but so I, you know, I went about, I was a late bloomer. I didn't do my first Ironman until I was 39. Um, won my age group, qualified for Kona. And then I got picked up by a semi-professional mountain bike racing team. And I raced with Rebecca Rush and I went around the world. And I was in my early 40s. And if I'm going to be completely honest, I was just like, okay, maybe I, like, I'll miss it. <laughs> you know, not like I, I won't, maybe I'll just like someday not get my periods. Like I just wasn't really thinking about menopause until, um, you know, I wrote Roar with Dr. Stacey Sims. We had people saying one chapter of menopause wasn't enough. We started chit-chatting about writing an, a book on it. I was like, okay, I think I can do this. And then it hit, you know, and then I was like 47 or 48, around 48, it really hit. Like my body felt like it changed overnight. Like I literally just raced a stage race in Cuba, you know, the previous year and felt great. And then I just didn't feel like myself. I would go out and my legs would feel like dead and heavy no matter what I did. And my body composition definitely changed. Like I felt like my muscles and I was always super muscular, like disappeared. It felt overnight. I don't know if it was overnight, but it was a short period of time. Um, what I hadn't recognized is that years prior, I was having like raging anxiety in the middle of the night. I would wake up like three o'clock in the morning, like feeling like the world was going to end. I was sweating like a sprinkler system. And I thought it was just training hard and like life, right? Like I didn't put any of that together. And it wasn't until like the body composition changed and the, the training changed. And I'm supposed to be starting this book with Stacy. And I'm like, how can I write about any of this when I am a mess? You know, and I literally, I called her. I was like, I don't know if I can do this. And she's like, calm down. <laughs> and she started telling me a lot of the stuff that would become next level. And that I would apply to myself. And in that process, the people that were working with her at the time, you know, sort of helping her promote her things, wanted me to help do them, do a webinar with them. And I said, you guys need a podcast. Cause I mean, everywhere I looked for athletic women, there was nothing, nothing. It was a, just a sea of nothingness. I, I was like, I could find all the information that I had written for prevention 20 years ago. You should exercise. You should eat well. You should prioritize your sleep. I'm like, check, check, check. Okay. Like wh what about women who actually want to line up and do stuff and continue? And there was nothing. So, and they said, you want to do it? You want to be the host? And like, I'm very spontaneous sometimes for better or for worse. This time was for the better. And I said, yes. And here we are. Oh my God. This is ringing <laughs> such a bell. It's so many parts of your story. I'm like, wait a minute. You know, there was this period of time where I woke up and I could not fall back asleep for like three hours because yeah. of something like 
my kid got her ears pierced and one was higher than the other. And (laughs) what is she going to think in 20 years? And like, I couldn't shut that shit off in my brain. And I'd never had anything like that before. Right. You know, all these little things that you're like, oh, well, maybe that's just this one, you know, isolated anxiety incident. But when you're having these symptoms combined with the other things that actually there's a whole list of like a hundred symptoms you can have. It goes on and on. It, It you really do start to realize. I am something in me is shifting and changing. It's not just a moment in time. And you know, what's funny too, is you said something like I'm having it or I'm, I'm experiencing it something like very vague. And, um, you know, I've talked to people who are like, Oh, I don't, I'm not having menopause. I still get my period. (laughs) I'm not in it. So I feel like we need to help define because I think the doctors define menopause as a certain thing, but then there's this whole period of could be a decade. I mean, a long time before and after when your body is going nuts. So can you give a little more clarity around the definitions of menopause and all the other things? A hundred percent, because we start the book next level with just that, because because I still hear from women who will go in experiencing a lot of this stuff and they say, I think it's menopause. And the doctor's probably thinking very clinically, go, no, you're too young for that, you know, and but but you're not because menopause is one moment in time. And unless you track, you don't even know, like, because I'm not like a tracker. And I was like, I, I am 100 percent sure it's been a year now, you know, but there were a long time. I was like, has it been, how long has it been? Well, I think I had it in February. You know, I was doing that kind of thing. But it menopause is one year since your last period. A one year without a period. That's it. That's it. It's your menopause birthday. Happy birthday or postmenopausal. What if you have like 11 months? uh, You're not in milk because you've got one more period. starts over. Yep. What if you just get like a little spotting in there? People ask that stuff all the time. My understanding is the clock starts over if you've got a period. Like any kind of like, you know, it's kind of kind of it. Um, okay. That being said, like we are not doctors. And I do want to say that spotting postmenopausally is not is go see your doctor. Like something could be wrong. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. Like Good. let's, let's lay that down there. But one year, no period, you are menopausal. That's it. But the, this, but what happens, like, it's not a light switch inside your ovaries. Just don't like go clunk, out done. You know, they, they start having erratic cycles as you like, maybe you release an egg, maybe you don't. And like, it's all orchestrated by, you know, your, your menstrual cycle. And when that starts getting a little wacky, all of a sudden your estrogen is sky high and your progesterone is like, they they just start flip, like going there. You, you can see it. You can look up perimenopause, like hormone fluctuations on Google images. And you can see, it looks like a spirograph. It looks like it goes from this beautiful orchestra to just a Jason Pollock painting, you know, like throwing <laughs> stuff at the wall. And that doesn't make you feel good because you have estrogen and progesterone receptors on every single cell. So it really affects your moods. It affects your, your everything. Like, and that's what, that's what women don't know. And that can start that erraticness can start, you know, easily mid forties for some women, it starts earlier. Definitely. Once you sort of cross that 45 period, you can start having that and, and your periods can be like clockwork. Mine were like clockwork almost until, you know, the last year or so. And then they got kind of crazy, but they were, I was very regular in, you know, until, but I was, but I was still having like that anxiety, the night sweats, you know, all that other stuff that I wasn't putting together as like perimenopause. And that's what that's called. And that's why sometimes 
Now people will just refer to it as the menopause transition, which is something I like a lot because it really specifies what it is. It is a transitionary period for some women. It's shorter for someone. It's longer, but it's not a, it's not just a flick of the switch. It is a transitionary period that can last for the better part of a decade for some women. It, that is a great way to look at it. it is not, it's like a dimmer switch, not a, just a light switch. Yeah, it's a dimmer switch without your, your ovaries, but it, with your hormones, it Ugh. is like a disco sometimes, right? Oh my range. gosh. That's so like, true. Well, and I was thinking about there are maybe there's many times in your lives that you experience bigger hormonal shifts, but there's probably three big ones. There's puberty. Mm-hmm. Yep. So this is going to be interesting because I am experiencing the menopause transition as my daughter is experiencing the puberty. <laughs> That's going to be fun. Um, it's like, OK, finally, no more tampons. And then like, oh, Oh, we need all the tampons. (laughs) Yep. Um, And then uh, when you do get pregnant, that's a major hormonal shift and all that Mm -hmm. stuff. And through your pregnancy and through breastfeeding and whatever. And then this one sort of signifies we can no longer get pregnant once menopause happens. Boom. There it is. And a lot of people talk about the fact that some people do have a little more like you were hoping for just oh, all of a sudden one day I realized I didn't have periods anymore. And that was my only symptom. And they kind of have a nice, easy ride Yeah. or or they just don't remember it. So it seemed nice and easy. And other people experience super extremes. But, um, you know, I think the big thing to note and what we want to talk about today is that there are a million different ways that people experience this thing. And there are some things that you can do to help make your ride a little less topsy-turvy, right? Yeah, yeah. So one quick question is, do you, I was thinking about like our genetics, right? Mm -hmm. Are we just sort of doomed to whatever menopause fate our genetics deliver to us? Like- you know, you a lot of people say they talk to their mom and whatever she kind of went through can help dictate what they might go through. At least that's what my doctor told me. And then my yeah. mom had a hysterectomy, so she didn't couldn't give me any answers. That's that's interesting. Um, and I actually have asked that question on my show to some people. And the 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 glitch for my audience and your audience is this, is that my mom doesn't run even if the house is on fire. Right. Like like she doesn't and and we are sort of the title nine people so like exercising on purpose wasn't really a thing for women in the generations before and that affects your epigenetics so even if your cards are you know sitting there ready to be dealt in any certain way how you live your life ultimately sort of depend you know will dictate how those cards fall and if you're exercising on purpose and you know meditating or what any of the things that you might do as an athlete are going to affect your epigenetics and it's going to change perhaps how your how it all plays out. So yes, you might have the card stacked in a certain way, but it's absolutely not fate um, that you'll experience it the same way, especially if your lifestyle is very different from what your mother's was. True. And I think the the point in this too, or the real question is no matter what your cards you are dealt, we do or do we have the ability to make this ride better? Oh, yeah. A hundred percent. No matter like no matter how, 
you could have a really crappy deck, you know, and there's still plenty you can do. And I've, I have seen that we have 15,000 women in the group now, and I've heard many, many stories and there's no doubt that you can make that deck, you know, that hand better. You can toss out some of the cards and get some better ones in there. Okay. What group is this? Let's just put a little, you know, um, hit play, not pause. Yeah. Thank you. (laughs) Hit play, not pause has a, a complimentary Facebook group. It's private. All you have to do is like, you know, ask and prove that you're real <laughs> and and not a troll or a bot. And we let you in. But yeah, it's a great community. I've It's so great. And it, it circles back to the thing that you said to start this is really made me recognize how many of us there are out there. Like you can feel super alone. Right. But I see all these women and like there's these women, they're, they're rock climbers, surfers, mountain bikers, CrossFit athletes, Peloton enthusiasts, whatever you have, you ultra runners, triathletes. But like there's thousands of them in just in my group. Like there, there's a lot of us. We are well, not alone. There are very few experiences in the world that we all go through. And, you know, yeah. I put out a survey a while back that got close to 500 responses just from a, a quick email. And yeah women were passionate with their responses. And we'll go through a few of the things I learned as well and see how they, how they match up with hit play, not pause um, conversations. But it was interesting because I said, when did your symptoms hit? So this is one of the first things I wanted to measure because a lot of people were like, I'm only 37 and I can't possibly be having these symptoms. And sure enough, there were people in the 30, I did like two or three year age groups, like 30 to 32 who had symptoms. And I had a bullet that said I never went through menopause and it was zero people clicked it. So I was like, okay, this is a universal truth. Mm -hmm. This is something we all experience uniquely. We experience Mm -hmm. it uniquely with some similarities, but I thought that was interesting. But here's one thing that my survey showed was at the top age where women experienced symptoms. So this is probably perimenopause symptoms was 49 to 51. Yep. Followed by 46 to 48, followed by 43 to 45. And Mm. then it jumped back up into the 50s. So like it skewed younger than in into the early 40s before symptoms, you know, really began in the 50s, which is what a lot of people think. Yeah. And I think that's cool because what it does is it reminds you you're not crazy. You thought you were crazy. And it's, you know, the average age, say the average age is 51. That is an average. You know, there's a lot of women who go through early menopause, which is, you know, before 45. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. And it's not weird. It is it is fairly normal for that to happen. Um, And here's another thing, too, is that I was like, well, I wonder what symptoms people experience the most. And I feel like the most emotional symptom that a lot of women experience is weight gain. But that wasn't the number one symptom that people listed. So I'll I'll read. I'm going to read the top five and you let me know on these what you think. So number one was night sweats, Mm. then brain fog. And I just I said something like, if you you can't think of a word that you usually might think of, like soup, you know, you're like, I'll have that liquid food stuff. Right. You know, Um, so that was brain fog. Number two, low sex drive was number three. And then I actually wrote meno gut, which was like, you know, the spare tire weight gainer on the middle. 
And the fifth was sleep issues, not being able to sleep, which could be anxiety and more. So those were kind of the top five. Most people in this survey experience those things. Would you say that lines up with what you've heard? I would say hot flashes. Are people putting hot flashes in with night sweats? Oh, they might have. Because, yeah, because I I hear, you know, hot flashes is a hallmark. Um, So definitely we hear a lot about hot flashes in the community. But yeah, I mean, otherwise... 100% and people will express some of those anxiety comes up in our community quite a bit. Fear comes up in our community because, well, I hear it and I have experienced it on my mountain bike, you know, as somebody who hurls herself down like rocky things on two wheels, you know, there have been things some days that I'll be on something I've ridden dozens, if not a hundred times. And all of a sudden, like I stop, you know, and it's just, and I talked to Jeannie Wall, who's a rock climber. And I talked to, I can't tell you how many women I've talked to who they have experienced the same thing. And it's just, there was actually a study that I wrote about that as estrogen declines, your fear extinction also is affected. So your brain hangs on to some of that stuff a little bit more, right? And I'm like, oh, okay. And again, like, it doesn't mean that all of a sudden, I, that goes away, but it helps me understand it, which helps me work through it. You know what I mean? I think that one, that when you can, when you can logically understand something as a process, it's kind of like if your knee hurts and you understand that the knee joint isn't the problem, it's your muscle around it. You're like, okay, you relax a little bit and you're like, all right, what can I do to sort of like make this better? And I feel like a lot of this is the same thing. Like we can't magically wave a a wand and make all your symptoms disappear. But if you understand the root of them, I I think sometimes you can either just go, all right, I can deal with this because I understand what's happening and not catastrophize about it. Or you can start experimenting with things that will actually make those symptoms better. Well, and it's like, are we trying to find a medicine or a treatment or whatever for menopause? Or are we treating each one of these symptoms separately to try to gain a, a, you know, a little advantage again? (laughs) No, that's a great, that's a great question. And I have come to look at it as dominoes, like, because, you know, through I'm going on like 90 some episodes of the of the show now, and I've, I've learned an awful lot from all the different experts. And what has become clear is that the symptoms, you know, the most disruptive symptoms, like say it's, say it's either sleep or anxiety or anxi- like whatever is stopping you from sleeping. If you're not getting good sleep, that has a giant knockoff effect, right? Like that, that makes you more anxious. It makes your brain foggier. It makes all those things. So a lot of times if women can just get themselves to sleep. And for me, that meant I need to get that lion out of my brain in the middle of the night. Like I need to put the the lion to sleep and CBD worked for me. Like it won't work for everybody, but that actually did work for me. And then when that went away and I could sleep, a lot of the other stuff got better, you know? So I just try to find like the biggest dominoes to tip. And like a lot of times that's really what you're trying to do. You're not trying to make menopause go away. I mean, there are actually big femtech firms that are looking at ways to like freeze your ovaries and attach them again and whatever, you know, like to put menopause off for 15 years. But we're not talking about that here. We're just talking about like making this transition smoother and coming out the other side the way, you know, we'd like to come out the other side. And I do, I, I've come to view this as a very positive process. I'm, I'm grateful for, uh, 
you know, the opportunity to stop in my tracks for a minute and assess and decide what I want to be and who I want to be on the other side of this. And I don't think I would have done that in another way. So I want to do that. So how did you do that? You just wrote down what, who I want to be on the other side. Like how do, how can our listeners employ that tech tactic? Well, I mean, I really just did like when, when all that stuff started happening and it just made me stop, like, cause I was at the place where I was like, do I want to keep chasing podiums? What do I, but I just, I was just sort of stuck in the speed trap, if you will, just trying to get faster and trying to like, I was prioritizing all that, even though it wasn't necessarily making me happier. And it gave me a chance to hit pause, you know, which is funny because my show is hit play, not pause, but it gave me that time to hit a (laughs) mental pause and go, what do I, what do I really want out of all this? And I did like, I, I, you know, some mental machinations with myself, but I decided like, all right, I still do want to do these competitions, but I, I'm sort of done with doing it this way. So I started like, I'd stopped mountain bike racing. I started gravel racing. I just changed what I was doing. I did, well, I got back into the gym. I started lifting heavy. I had never done that. And that had like amazing effects. So I just started deciding like, I'm going to do these new things that are supposed to be good for me and see what happens. And I'm going to start aiming towards like, I want to make this podcast successful. And I just did have some, a little visioning with myself, but without, without menopause, I would not have done that. I think sometimes it does take something big to make us stop in our tracks for a minute, reassess where we are in our lives. But the problem with menopause is it isn't just from one day to the next. No, no, no. But like when you start doing these things, like I said, like if you start sleeping better, I mean, you are taking care of to answer your original question. You're really looking at taking care of, even if you don't want to reassess everything and you just want to feel better and go about your way, which is, you know, is great too. Um, Taking care of your most disruptive symptoms, you know, and, and, and most of the time that will surround sleep or anxiety keeping you from sleeping or hot flashes keeping you from sleeping. And that's why hormone therapy works brilliantly for so many people. If it gets those hot flashes that are waking you up every two hours in the middle of the night gone, it has such a great effect on everything else. You know, let's get into since, yeah, we all know there's lots of symptoms. In fact, I'll put a a link to the survey I put out so you can read all the symptoms and the extra ones people added in. Like I felt like an alien in my own body. And then other people started checking that one, which made me (laughs) laugh, you know, um, couldn't stand the sound of my husband chewing his cereal. It's funny that one comes up too. And that's not one that's listed on the official list anywhere that I've seen. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But what we also want to do, we're empowered women. And most of the people listening are active women of all levels from going out a couple times a week to move their bodies to racing, you know, at a high level. But um, we want to make these things better. And there is not that much information, just like you said. So I'm so grateful of the work you're doing and everybody is encouraged. You are all encouraged to go over and check out the uh, hit play, not pause Facebook group and, and check out her pot Celine's podcast, all this good stuff. But um, I think this is a perfect time for us to dive a little bit into some of the remedies that people are trying Mm -hmm. to use. And we've already mentioned a few. Um, I sort of categorize them in my brain in two big categories, natural products Mm -hmm. that you can just go out and buy on your own and HRT, hormone replacement therapy, right? And that you need prescribed by a medical doctor, correct? Yep. So um, what my little survey showed is that women 
experimented with sometimes tens of thousands of dollars of natural products. Some found success, but that they had a much lower success rate. Like you had CBD success. That one actually uh, had like almost a 50% success rate in alleviating symptoms, whatever they were um, mm-hmm. in, in my little survey. But most of the different products that, that I listed yeah. that people had said they've tried just did not give a, a very high percentage of success. However, when I asked about HRT, the success rate with some of the different hormone products out there was upwards of 90% people felt like it was really alleviating their problems, their symptoms. But there is some controversy around the HRT world. And I think we can discuss that too. Like what risks come with using natural products versus versus hormone therapy? So maybe first, do you want to talk about some of the other natural products out there that you have heard or found have been helpful for people? Yeah, a couple of the ones that we have in the book that Stacy Sims uh, experimented with with the people that she works with and you know dug into the science on that I have heard many people have it success with, and I've talked to some practitioners who've had success with ashwagandha comes up pretty high. That's an adaptogen, you know, and adaptogens just sort of help you become more stress resilient. It's simplest way to say it. Um, they women in my community find it uh, it's calming, you know, and it helps them sleep. So like that has come up. Um, that might be the biggest natural one. And when you, when you talk to like the adaptogens, I mean, CBD will come up in the community. I haven't heard, I know you had dim on there. Um, I'm not going to even try the dia you had a, um, yeah, it's a very long chemical mm-hmm. name and I'm not even going to try to say it. It's an estrogen, uh, has an estrogenic effect. I haven't heard a whole lot about that. I haven't heard a whole lot about black cohosh. Um, yeah, so I would say, uh, like mindfulness, like if you want to go like not even products, like things Uh like mindfulness is big doing some sort of, you know, you don't have, it doesn't have to be meditation. It can just be like 10 minutes of just not thinking about anything or just giving yourself your brain a chance to be quiet is actually, it sounds very woo woo, but when I talk to the people, like the brain scientists I've had on, it's like you're it's like training your brain not to be anxious. It's like training your brain like you would train anything like it's, you know, if you're going to train your body to perform on demand, you, you can also kind of train your brain to do the same thing. You know, a lot of women, the only time they expect their brain to be quiet is when their head hits the pillow and it, it, their brain's like, no, 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 no. We have things to talk about. Right. Like because <laughs> we have not. You have not spent any time with me all day. So, I mean, there's one of my experts is like, I give my, my clients a 10 minute worry session every day, like sit down, go through it all, like take all your catastrophes to their nth degree and then let it play out. And when the timer's up, like, that's it. Like you can worry tomorrow as much as you want, but like all those things, it sounds crazy, but when you actually apply them, they can be quite successful. So, I mean, it's, it's stuff like that. I mean, we can talk about lifestyle stuff too, like lifting heavy. Yeah. Let's found, do it. Yeah. 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 Well, no, wait, I'm, really quick. The biggest, this, yeah. I have to tell you this really funny because when I was doing that survey, I didn't even think about putting like exercise as one of the <laughs> natural <laughs> because, <yeah>, products. <laughs> Duh. But, right. Because um, it's just something that you do and you don't even like register well, it as something to 
I understand. Yeah, but I think that this is a perfect way to open my eyes and everybody else's eyes that we all want a magic pill. We do. We'd love for black cohosh to take it all away. And it's pretty relatively cheap and you can just go out and buy it and you're done and then you're done with menopause. But like, (laughs) that's not realistic. So um, I love this. So mindfulness, retraining your brain through that practice and and other. And then you mentioned exercise. So let's hit on lift. Lifting heavy. Uh, are we allowed to curse in the show? We yes, we already have. You, you didn't oh, did, I, did I already? I uh-huh, yeah. forgot. <laughs> You're cool. Sorry. Lift heavy shit, as Stacey Sims say. And I'll tell you, like, I had never, um, you know, I had always taken care of myself in the gym, mostly through foundational work and that kind of stuff, you know, to make sure that everything was mobile and stable and core and blah, blah, blah. But I was always very naturally muscular. So I just never ventured into like, deadlifting and squatting. It just wasn't my jam. And, you know, Stacy was really adamant. She's like, you've got to go in and like lift heavy, like less than six reps, heavy weights. And, you know, I was, I'm like, I can't feel worse. Right. So I was just like, I will try this. And it few things that I have tried in my life have been like a switch. And that honestly was like a switch. Like I felt light years better. Like, like it, how it, quickly did it take effect that much, same yeah. day? I felt like I was on fire with energy. Like I was like, I came home just buzzing. It was amazing. And within a couple of weeks, like <laughs> I felt like I had another gear on my bike because it does. I mean, you can get neurostimulation that quickly, you know, because a lot of those gains that you make, I'm not making any muscle in a day or two, but you get neuromuscular stimulation very quickly. Um, and I felt that easily within the first couple, you know, first two, three weeks, easily. The first day I felt amazing. Like I need more of this in my life. And, uh, I, that has been the thing, like, as far as all of it, managing stress, managing the body composition, managing, like feeling powerful on the bike, managing my mood, like lifting heavy is an incredible medicine. So is it like, you know, for all the CrossFitters out there, you're doing it or is there a, a they way are, to but they're doing it a little, <laughs> you know, they're also doing too much often stuff. Like I'm not going to bash on CrossFit because there's a lot of wonderful things about it, but um, you know, like the Metcon, they do a lot, like they, they, they're beating themselves into the ground day after day. And when you hit this point and your hormones are making recovery harder, like, and your cortisol is already inching up, like you, you, you don't want to do things that are just going to keep that cortisol elevated all the time. And the risk is there that that's, you know, if you're just doing straight up CrossFit workouts like that day after day, it could be counterproductive. You know, it's like you, because of all the other things, but yes, they absolutely have the right idea in many ways as in the lifting heavy scheme of things. Like, because, because estrogen, estrogen, estrogen is anabolic. And it also helps with strong muscle contractions and it helps with all the satellite signaling to make muscle and maintain muscle. And when it goes, there's research that like lifting heavy, like explosive heavy resistance training sort of like picks up where those signals left off. And that's what you're doing. And there's no doubt in my mind that it, that it works. I I went out and I did a 30 inch box jump the other day. Like you can, like, it's, that's still in there. So if I told, if, the, if women wanted to do nothing else, I'd be like, just do that one thing. Just try that one thing, make that one change. And could they literally just even find some resources for workouts or ideas on what to do through your platform? 
Sure. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Um, this is, this is really cool. You know, when, when I was racing as a pro, you know, and, and aging through the process and watching Tim, my husband age through the process, mm-hmm. it was like, well, the older you get, you basically take the training you do in your one week, your seven day period, <laughs> and you stretch it out to 10 <laughs> yeah, and then suddenly right. it's 14 days. So like, but it's really hard to put that into play as you age, but I get the yeah. concept and it, it kind of sounds like even when you're talking about CrossFit, the idea is that you don't recover as fast. Is that yeah. correct? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The idea is that you don't recover as fast. And like some of those, some of that is, you know, there's a lot of things that are going on behind the scenes there with the cortisol levels and with inflammation, with all that. But it is, you know, if you want to just boil it down to that recovery piece, you could probably boil it down to that. That's why, you know, we often talk in the, in the book, Stacy talks a lot about, you know, it, it behooves women in this point, especially endurance athletes. Like you don't need to keep that high volume, especially if you've done it for a long time, it's better to do short, sharp stuff, like more polarization. And then like super, super, super easy, long days, you know, time on your feet. But a lot of that gray area is really does you more of a disservice. Like it, so it does a disservice to some people younger, you know, to be clear, but yeah. the old, you know, the, especially menopausal, once the hormones start fluctuating and disappearing, it's, uh, you can get into more of like not productive places with that kind of training. Totally. Okay. Now this is totally a personal, like, I just need some advice thing. Well, there, and there will be other people like me out there because I know other people have body issues, but I had a back surgery seven months ago now, and I can't lift heavy at least now, Mm -hmm. but maybe never the same way again, like Mm -hmm. loading and things like that bad for me. And I can't really do jumping so much anymore in my life. Right. So I know those are kind of, that might've been what partly got me here. You know, I was got totally into hit training and doing those big box jumps and all that fun stuff. And it felt so good. But now that I, 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 what I want to do is take away the word limitation from mm-hmm, my vocabulary mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. not say I'm limited because I can't do this. Now, once my healing has progressed to a level where I can start again, how do I include some of this stuff safely? Yeah. I mean, you would need to work certainly with your team because I don't know exactly, you know, and the disc thing is its own animal, but I mean, there are definitely women who will work with um, leg press machine kind of things where they're supported. I mean, there's definitely supported ways to do that where you wouldn't be loading your yeah. spine in the same way, but you okay. could still get those, those benefits. Well, and I think too, you know, as we get older, there's a lot of people out there who are like, I have bad knees, so I can't do X, right. Y, and Z. Yeah. And that might, no, I true, will say, but- I, I will, that may be true, <laughs> but I have, I have to say, cause I just wrote about this, like, um, a, you know, if you have just a little arthritis, like actually it's sort of like that running will hurt, hurt, destroy your knee thing. And that's been sort of blown out of the water. You know, it's the same thing, like a little bit of jet, you don't have to do the 30 inch box jump kind of thing, but a little bit of jumping actually, uh, is helpful for mild osteoarthritis. You know, like there's, there's good research to support just like movement is motion, you know, and just like a little bit, you don't have to go crazy and you don't have to go crazy to get the benefits. But a lot of that is just a little bit of impact helps your bones. It helps, you know, stimulate your body to be stronger. Yes. It's just, everyone needs to know where their lines are. And, you know, that is true. That's a hundred percent because we all come into this with 
people have like crashed on their mountain bike or have had like whatever ACLs blown out. Like I fully recognize we're all coming into this with our own stuff and you just have to have your own parameters and be able to work within your box. But I think everybody does have a box to work in. That's the key right there. Yeah. Bam. Um, so we've got mindfulness, we've got CBD and ashwagandha, we've got lifting heavy shit. Are there any other natural remedies that you would recommend? Any other ways to exercise, move, or even, you know what? What about THC? <laughs> Yeah, well, that could be something that helps people sleep, if nothing else. A hundred percent. And, you know, the, the, the problem with that is like the schedule one issue in the United States, like with like it's hard because the research is isn't where it needs to be because it's been a schedule one narcotic, you know, for so long. And it's not legal in a lot of states still, you know? So, I mean, we have it medical here. I know you have it all across the board there. Some places you can't even take CBD into. So, um, you know, it is, it's hard to even speak to that in any way because it's, it's, uh, we're so it's the wild west. It's the wild. Yeah, Yeah, it really is. And you know what, maybe a good recommendation for people who want to explore that is just to like, get on the Facebook group, get on the platform, get on some platform. Someone, yeah, somebody will, I'm a hundred percent promise you that there will be 25 women who will immediately say, Hey, I tried blah, blah, blah. And this worked for me. And yes, yeah, that's the beauty of those communities. It's really a supportive. I just love it. I love women helping women. And that's what I'm finding in this community. Hey, there couldn't be a better time. <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's say, all right, natural, you know, stuff be gone. You're doing it all, but you want something more. And you talk to your doctor and they say, well, let's get you some estrogen and progesterone and we'll do this HRT thing and we'll test your blood, you know, to get started. Or maybe not everyone even does that. I don't know. Can you talk a little bit about what HRT is the process for getting on it and why, why it's, you know, good and bad? Yeah, it's, I mean, and that Nicole is changing every day. Like I just got a study out yesterday or this week for sure, you know, that's showing that maybe it's even okay for breast cancer survivors. Like the, 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 the dialogue around hormone therapy has changed dramatically in just the past couple of years. You know, NAMS, North American Menopause Society now is like it's gold standard of care for like hot flashes and symptoms, period. And if you use it in the what they're calling the the 10 year window around menopause, like the benefits outweigh the risks like that. I mean, there's so talk unless about those. unless you have like special I mean, if you have special circumstances, because like cl- blood clotting is always the thing that, that people are worried about. But that's like even then the risk isn't super high. And if you have a history of clotting, you definitely need to work with your doctor on that kind of thing. But I mean, essentially what you need to work with your doctor on is your situation. Like if you still have your uterus, you need both estrogen and progesterone. You know, if you don't, they can just put you on estrogen because they, they just don't want to give you estrogen if you have your uterus, because that makes your uterus just super thick and not, it's not good for you. It it leads to cancer and all of the things. So you would need both of those. Um, And then it's just dialing that in. Like I, I can tell you it's, it is not set it and forget it. It's not one formula for everyone because I've seen it across the board. Like 
the and this is where it can be helpful to have a community to talk it through. Like some women get on it, they get a patch, they feel great. You know, they have the pill, they 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 get their their prescription and everything. They are sleeping and they feel better. And there are others that have like a lot of un like sometimes they feel worse. Like their moods get worse. Like the, it 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 just has to be dialed in. So I would encourage people to find a doctor who a listens to you and then will work with you to. You know, the hormone I, I have had on Dr. Carla DiGirolamo three times, and she's a hormone specialist at Boston. She's like one of the top rated doctors in Boston is an IV um, endocrinologist. And she's like, the whole hormone testing thing is just not because during perimenopause, like you could get your hormones tested today at three 30 and go tomorrow at 10 o'clock. And they're going to be totally different regardless of what you do, because that's how wildly they swing. So you're treating symptoms, you're treating symptoms, not hormone levels. Like she doesn't even care. Like what, you know, like she, you tell her what you're experiencing. She knows you're perimenopausal. It, like she's not going to be testing. Like, like maybe once you start and you're like having some issues with your dosages, I mean, she might be looking at some stuff there, but not like these people who are like, I will test you and then give you your prescription according to what I just tested you on. That's just, that's not actually real from almost what everybody I've talked to has said. It's just not yeah. useful. That's so interesting. Cause I did have um, my whole, this whole topic kind of came to the forefront when I was having some symptoms last year yeah, of course. and I went to my doctor and she did a blood test, but she told me, the goal is to maybe try to test it at the same day of the month of your mm. cycle each month because of that exact reason. And even then it's not going to be perfect. Um, and she gave me a prescription and I, it was for estradiol. Is that how you yep. say it? Yep. And, That's the main one. Mm -hmm. Yep. And progesterone. And so I put out this email and I was like, should I take these? I just like to hear what people have to say. And it was honestly, I couldn't respond to all the emails, hundreds. And it was passionate either please take them. It will change your life or don't you dare take those. You don't need them and everything in between. And um, I, I really, what I find so interesting about this entire conversation is how unique everybody's experiences are. But like we said earlier, how much everybody wants to help each other. It's what like when you, yeah. my experience, well, um, I didn't take them. And the oh. reason I didn't take them. So I, we were going to talk after I got on my hormone replacement therapy. Do you remember this? For like I do. Part? And then we didn't. And I, you know, you had the surgery and I was right. like, she's got a lot going on. And yeah. I think that's what happened is my symptoms were outweighed by the fact that my back started hurting so bad that I didn't even feel my symptoms as much anymore, Interesting. <laughs> which might make sense. You it know, does. but you don't really want someone to have like their back breaks so that they don't feel their menopause. But um, then I <laughs> fixed my back and the symptoms have not uh, resurfaced in as big a way. And so yeah. I never went on them. I was like, you know, I never took these. I guess I'm not taking them until some sign shows me that I'm at the point where I need to take them again. And this is what I think is frustrating for so many people. It's exactly what happened to me in my back surgery, too. You have to decide. Yeah, a doctor, really do. they're not going to tell you, oh, you have to start this now unless it yeah. is life or death for some reason, you know, but for most people, they will give you a prescription. It is up to you to take it. And then it's up to you, like you said, to fine tune it. 
yeah. to come back to them and say, yeah, this symptom's getting better. This one's not like, yeah. this one just started. How do we fix that? And that's the part that I think is just so frustrating. Yeah. It's not, I think, and I, and I hear that from women, like, cause they have this expectation, like it's going to be like, they're going to open the door, like in the wizard of Oz and it's all going to be technicolor and it's going to be great. You know? And it's just like, and there's just another tornado and they're like, what's happening. You know, it's, they just, it's not, it's not some women do great out of the gate. I'm not going to say that they don't, but for a lot of women, it is a matter of like fine tuning. And I, there's so many different, you know, you can take creams, you can take patches, you can take, you know, and it, that matters too. You can take it orally and those all have different effects as well. So it is a lot to sift through and it's a lot uh, to be patient with. I mean, I will say that one of the things that can be the, a, a very easy fix is vaginal dryness and vaginal estrogen. Like that is, you know, that is a symptom that often like hits women a little later in the period. Peri- perimenopause or postmenopause journey. And that's not systemic. It doesn't go into your system. It literally just sort of like rejuvenates the vaginal tissue. So you don't hurt anymore, you know, and that, yeah. I think that's can be extremely useful uh, for some of them. I use, because I ride my bike sometimes 10 hours at a time, I have a ring and I use bona fides reverie. <laughs> so I've got everything going on, but I'm comfortable. So that's. Yes. It's so funny. I remember somebody writing in like, dry vagina, like Saharan desert, dry, dry, dry vagina. Like it just so frustrating. It can and happen once, out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. Like that goes from, ooh, to, ah, ah. Oh <laughs> like what is, what is going on? Oh my God. Yeah. Well, and um, a friend of mine who she's a consultant, she just did a project that's really interesting. She worked with a sex toy company and oh, wow. um, they really like, had some good research on the fact that having orgasms really helps with everything menstrual and including menopause. Well, yeah. I mean, there's a lot there. Like orgasm is just like, that's, you know, it is a hormonal thing that's going on, but it's also with the sex toy thing, you know, one of the reasons that the vaginal tissues get thinner, get drier, all that is because of lack of blood flow once, you know, the estrogen isn't promoting it anymore. So again, we get back to blood flow, right? Right. And stimulation helps blood flow. It helps get blood flow back into those tissues. So, so, you know, the pocket rocket, bring that little science behind it. Yeah. Um, I do want to say, you know, with the HRT, it is, it sounds appealing to, cause it is closer to a magic pill than exercising mm-hmm. every day, except for the fact that you basically said that your very first time lifting heavy, it was, it was like a magic pill. It felt like a magic pill. I will say that like very few things in my life. I can say that about, but that God, was one awesome. that, that made, that made me feel that way. And I, I don't take hormone therapy either. And it's not because I'm against it. It's just because it never, like when I was doing the, had the anxiety and all the other stuff, it never occurred to me. And then by the time I sort of got to this place where I was like, oh, maybe I'm just like, eh. you know, I just don't, I don't feel right. the need for it. And I don't, I don't have the patience to try to like, I just don't want to deal like why upset yeah. the apple cart? Like I, I feel, I feel good. I'm happy. My moods are good. I'm sleeping well. Why tinker with that? You know, I just don't see the. Yeah. The I think that's a really, that's, and that's why I didn't end up taking them either, but it's not to say I won't in the future. Yeah. I because- mean, I, if I felt. If I didn't feel good, I would be knocking on the door and being like, hey, 
Right. Yeah. And as we said, this whole journey is a roller coaster and these hormones are continuing to change. I will say one thing I noticed is that the women who adamantly said, don't do it, Nicole, don't take them. You can get through this. Um, you can do this thing without hormones. Often, most of the time, this is generalizing, but most of the time they were older and they were already through it. Yeah. And it reminded me of like having a baby, how like terrible <laughs> some of that is. And then oh, afterwards so you're terrible. like, oh, it was bad. <laughs> like, I don't even remember it. Um, and also maybe there wasn't as much research and, and that generation was had a little more fear complex around the breast cancer risk. Cause that, well, that, yeah, for sure. Because that, that women's health initiative and million women's study research, which was done on women in their by and large in their sixties. I mean, that was in the early two thousands that basically shut the whole thing down. And it wasn't until what, two decades later, almost that people started reevaluating that and saying, this was, this data has not been presented correctly to this audience. You know, I mean, the, one of the things that doesn't get discussed and I, I had a whole show on it is that the reason that there is a window of opportunity, if you will, for hormone therapy is that it's not just that you stop producing the hormones. It's that your receptors start going away for the hormones. So when you introduce hormones later, when there's no receptors for them, that can be problematic. I know I talked to one of the uh, brain researchers and she's like, that's why it, you know, there seems to be this risk for dementia after, you know, when you start them later. So I would tell women like, once you hit 60, it's very questionable whether you should start taking hormones because, right. you know, those receptors aren't there for them. And if you have any heart disease starting, if you have any atherosclerosis and all that, you, the risks, then the heart risks then start outweighing the benefits because you already have that process. So, um, cause estrogen is our, when you take the hormones, there's like the whole clotting factor and that's why the blood clots are an issue. So there's a lot of moving pieces, but there's a lot of really good research now that sort of lays it out. And NAMS, you know, the North American menopause societies, they just put out guidelines, like literally in the past couple of months and women can go to that site and they can check that very clearly well uh, stated paper on like who it's best for, what it's best for and what the recommendations are. And I think they're really sound. I, I, I get concerned about some of the language and it seems to have died down a little bit, but it was hot and heavy over the springtime that some doctors were like, we need to rebrand menopause as estrogen deficiency syndrome or, you know, like all this. I'm like, wait, 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 wait. And they're <laughs> like almost saying like we should put hormones in the water after a certain age. And I was like this, no, 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 let's not that's not get crazy. I, I don't, I don't think that's wow. like, this is a natural process and it's not. Yeah. I mean, if, if you have had a nuferectomy and someone has ripped your ovaries out at age 40, sure. You got, you got issues. Somebody should put a patch on you right away. But like, you know, it's, it's not just a matter of putting hormones back into the system and everything's going to be like it was. You know, it's cool that they're doing more studies. I mean, oh, it's 100%. not even fucking close to the stuff they're doing to help men, you know, continue to get erections. But like, uh, you know, at least there some companies and, and governments are taking things a little more serious and recognizing that half of the population is going through this. Oh, yeah. I mean, and and women in, you know, like this is such it's so fun to watch because our generation was like the first 
to get into the workplace in a big way and to get into sports in a big way. And now there's so many of us in positions of power, right? Like you've got Oprah's and Michelle Obama's and, you know, all the other celebrities that are like coming out in the, the, I mean, it's, it's not that genie's somebody asked me is like, you think it's just having a moment? I'm like, no, that genie's not going back in the bottle. Like we're all here and it's only going to be picking up momentum because it's num- it's a numbers game at this point. Yeah. And women have is. voices and power and they're in positions of power and they can, they, they own femtech companies and yeah, like, it's only yeah. going to get better and bigger. It is, you know, um, I like the idea that we can all be advocates for our own health. And I mm-hmm. think the generation above us, our parents, they just went to the doctor and did what the doctor said. And yeah. they didn't take matters into their own hand and research and really try to learn about their own bodies. They just sort of were told about their bodies. Or for instance, one of the things that drives me freaking batty is that whenever you get blood work, you go to the doctor or you use a service like Inside Tracker, who's one of our sponsors yeah, yeah, and one of the sponsors it. of your podcast. Yeah, I um, love them. I love them too. And they will come to your home and do a mobile blood draw. But a lot of times when you get your blood drawn, the results will get sent to your doctor. And this is the phone call you get. Everything's fine. It's within range. Or, you know, maybe there's one thing. And what drives me crazy about that is that range might be, for instance, with ferritin, three Mm. to 100. I'm an right. <laughs> active athletic woman. My last ferritin rating was 14. That's really low. But yeah. to a doctor, that's just in range. There's no flag there. But this is why I think it's important for you to know your numbers. That's my personal opinion. What yeah, do you think well, about that? I 100% agree. And like a lot of times, like I always, I always had a little bit of like, they have this chart that is your chart right, with your information on it. And they're holding it like they own it. You know, when you go to the doctor and I'm like, I've always had problems with that. I'm like, that's like, can I see it? Turn it towards me. Totally. I want to see those notes. They hold it closer to their chest. Right. But, but I love like, you know, when inside tracker and I've been using them since 2015, I've been using them a long time. Um, You know, I mean, you get, your numbers and they explain your numbers and they explain why their ranges may be different from, you know, your doctor's range, like you talked about as far as what they consider optimal. And then they give like really great, like natural advice, like dietary exercise advice. I mean, it's not, you know, it's not a, it's very common sense science-based advice that Mm -hmm. they give you to like improve your numbers. And I have found it incredibly useful and, like my blood sugar was much higher than it should have been, you know, because my stress and I was trying the low carb thing and the low carb thing was actually counterproductively not doing good things to my cortisol and my blood sugar. But I would have never known any of that while I was winning bike races and stuff like I felt fine. Totally, totally. And, you know, they do measure some of the sex hormones, mm-hmm. including mm-hmm. the receptors, like one receptor that you mentioned earlier. And and it is interesting when you're looking at your numbers. My last panel came in and showed that the markers for like recovery and exhaustion were too high. Mm-hmm. And I thought about it and I'm like, I'm not really working out as much as I used to, but here's my thing. I'm coming off back surgery. And yes. so, of course, my body is still fighting to heal that part of my. And so anything I'm doing, 
might be piling on extra stress. And so it's all like things that I never would have thought that work together in this equation. And so I think it's important for people to, even if they're trying to tackle, say, menopause symptoms and they Mm -hmm. want to get a read on that, well, get a full blood panel because there could be other things going on. If you're getting sick all the time, your iron could be low like mine was or something else, you know? So yeah, inside tracker, there's our little our little, uh, <laughs> yeah, I know. I don't mind plugging them because I do use them. I, I think they're a great service. Oh, it's so cool. So, but at the end of the day here, we do need to be advocates for ourselves. And if we can, we can also help advocate for others. And that's what we're doing with this podcast episode. Yeah, so awesome. I, I, you doing this. Oh, it's so cool. I want to wrap it with, uh, just pointing out that I love the concept of hit play, not pause during this time in our life. You know, a lot of people might say, oh, you're getting old. You're going through this. Just go easy. You know, when I was pregnant 10 years ago, the only books out there was like the girlfriend's guide to getting pregnant and something else. And they were like, what do you mean work out? What about walking? That's fine. Just go for an easy stroll. And I was yep. like, no, I want to keep working out. Why isn't there any information? I feel like it's the same for this. Why do we have to slow down? A hundred percent. And, and I, you know, I, I hear from women all the time who are still hitting PRs and doing all that stuff. Like you really like, of course, with age, I'm not a Pollyanna, like with age, you're always going to slow down a little, but it does not have to be this dramatic shutdown. And it is, when people tell you like, why don't you just relax? It's like, it's not like I'm upset. It's not like I don't like, I don't exercise because I'm like, I exercise because it's my joyful place. It's not like, because I'm forcing myself to do it. And I'd, when I'd rather just be up with sitting down with my feet up, you know? And I think that, that there's a disconnect with most people, with people who exercise is their happy place, right? You know, because their happy place is not, you know, they have to force themselves to do that thing, right? That, that, that we, we have to force ourselves to not do that thing. Yes. You know I mean? It, it's just like a different <laughs> way of uh, we're wired a little differently. And oh, so, yeah, I mean, yeah. that's why I started this. And that's why you're here is like <laughs> to speak to these people who, you know, are wired that way and want to continue to do the things that take them to their happy place and not be sedentary and have to sit down and quote unquote, relax when that just agitates them. (laughs) Yes. Oh my gosh. Well, that's a great, great way to sum up our audience, at least that's for sure. And then thanks for all of you fellow wired the same way women. (laughs) I know you're going to get a lot out of this, you know, because this is part of the run this world podcast, let's give you the final question. I ask every guest who comes on the show. Oh boy. I'm excited. Um, It's pretty simple or it can be, it can be whatever you want to be. If you can leave our listeners with one final piece of advice, one little nugget to help them run their worlds in a bigger and better way, what would it be? Live forward. That is always, always my thing. Live forward. You've got all this life ahead of you. Don't put don't put your life in the rear view mirror ahead of its time. Like, you know, live forward. I love it. Thank you so much, Celine. We will all find you. We will all subscribe to hit play, not pause. And we will check out all the good stuff you're doing. I appreciate you, Nicole. Thanks so much. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in today. It feels good to take charge of our health and our bodies 
especially at a time in life when they are doing crazy, unpredictable things. Do not forget to take advantage of our offer from Inside Tracker to be the best advocate for your own health as you can. For a limited time, Run This World listeners get 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store. Visit insidetracker.com forward slash run this world for 20% off. Do it. And if you have questions, shoot me a note, Nicole at NicoleDeBoom.com, and I will answer any questions you have. Okay, everybody, that's all I got today. You know what time it is. It's time to get out there and run this world. Have a great workout, and we'll see you next time.